Please open your Bibles with me to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, we'll be looking at the last half of this chapter today, verses 12 through 21. I've entitled today's message, Perfect Love. Perfect Love. We're working our way through this letter that the Apostle John, in the later years of his life, 80, possibly 90 years old, he writes this letter to be circulated among the churches of his time, that first century church. He's the last of the living apostles, really one of the eldest Christians, no doubt, at this season in the, in the life of the church. And he is really writing quite a bit about authentic Christianity. If you walk through the letter, there's a number of places where, you know, John says, look, if you say this, but your life looks like this, something's not right. That's not true Christianity. That's not true faith. You say you walk in the light, but your deeds are still in dark. You say that you love God, but then you don't love your brother. John kind of calling out these discrepancies that had already begun, the church not even a hundred years old, and already there are these discrepancies within the body of Christ. And so John writing to kind of purify the church, wanting to remind the church, warn the church, encourage the church that what God has for us is to be genuine, it's to be real. True spirituality is life-changing, not just word-changing, not just religious kind of activity, but true heart, sincere change. And God brings this kind of change, and the biggest change that we see is manifested in the fruit of love. Love is the real evidence that God is in your life, that God has touched your life, that God has changed your life. Love is the fruit of the Spirit. Love is the quality that we look for in the body of Christ. 1 John 4, verse 7 and 8, Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Boy, John just lays it out. It's very cut and dry, black and white. Look, if there's love in your life, then you know God. If there's no love, you don't, because God is love. So that's the theme that we're looking at here in chapter 4. And, you know, God, uh, John talking about this God kind of love. We talked about this a little bit last week. In the Greek language, there are different words for love, and the, the word that, that the Christian love is described by, the God kind of love, is the word agape, agape love. It's this selfless giving kind of love. It's a love that originates from God. It's not love that's earned or merited by the recipient, but rather it is just lavished upon by the giver. God originates his love because of who he is, not because of anything that we've done or anything that, that we have you know, earned from him, but rather it is just a love that comes to us because he so loved us. It's not just a feeling. It's not just an emotion. It's a choice and an action. For God so loved the world that he what? that he gave his only begotten son, God making a choice to love us and then acting upon that choice based on the giving of his own son. And that's how love is to be manifested in our life as well. It's more than just a feeling. Feelings do come and often accommodate deep uh, love, uh, true love, 
But oftentimes, you know, love is just the decision to love. The feelings will follow, but the decision is made, and then there is a corresponding action that acts itself out as a result of love. And his perfect love is really what all of us need. It's what all of us are looking for. In truth, church, it's what the whole world is longing for. We've been created in the image of God. We've been created for relationship with God, and God is love. Without God, love is absent our lives. Oh, there are some kind of warm feelings. There are even some human commitments that we can kind of come close to love. But without God, you'll never know perfect love. You'll never know the true meaning of love apart from the love we discover in God. Let's take a look now at verses 12 through 16. John continuing to elaborate on this perfect love. The first Uh, We'll break it into three sections here this morning. The first section, verses 12 through 16. Let's consider the witness of love. Verse 12. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. John says something interesting in verse 12 that no one has seen God at any time. And truly, God the Father has not been seen by any human eyes. Moses caught a glimpse, the afterglow of God's glory, but God told Moses, if you saw my glory in full, you couldn't survive it. God is spirit. He's to be worshiped in spirit and in truth. So we can see the handiwork of God. The Bible says that the creation itself declares something of his glory, but there's nothing that you can see directly of him except through those things that he has made. The Bible also says that Jesus is the exact expression of God. So we do see the face of God. We see the nature, the character, the love, the person of God in the person of Jesus Christ who is God, God in the flesh, the Son, God the Son. But John says, none of us have seen God in the fullness of his glory. And of course, even when John writes this, Christ had already ascended in, in heaven. So even Jesus was not physically visible any longer. John is saying, look, the way God is seen today in the world is through the love that is expressed through his people. God is love. If you want to see God, you see him in the the expression of love through the lives of those in whom he dwells. He talks about abiding. God abides in us and his love is perfected. That word means it's matured. It becomes complete. It becomes accomplished. God working in your heart and in mine, uh, creating this expression of his love is to be a witness to a lost and hopeless world. How will your family, how will your coworkers, 
How will our community, how will our nation, how will the world see and know God? God cannot be seen. He is not coming in physical appearance. There is, as I said, a certain witness that comes to a heart looking at creation. There's an evidence of God, but how can I know him personally? How can I know this God if there is such a God, if there is such a creator, such a master of the universe? How can I meet him? You meet him through a relationship with him forged in Jesus Christ. And that, that is seen through the love expressed through the church, also known as the body of Christ. John is letting us know how important love is. It's God's witness to the world. Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples. How? by the love that you have for one another. Love is to be the light that is shining in darkness. Jesus said, let your light so shine, you know, that they would see your good works and glorify who? Your Father in heaven. What are those good works? Works of love, acts of love. Love manifesting in your life, in my life. Boy, if Christians are always bickering, and if we're always in a bad mood, and if we're always the grouchiest, you know, morning people at work, and we're always the, you know, the, the kind of the, just the sourpusses walking around, I mean, what, what, where's, what, where's the attraction in that, right? No, God, God wants to be expressed in love, and love has a certain witness to it. Now, the source of this love, John points out, is the abiding relationship that we have with him. Love is not something that we muster up in ourselves. Boy, I got to go to work tomorrow. I got to, okay, I just got to go in there and I just got to love them, you know. I'm just going to do it. I hate every one of them, but I'm going to just somehow, I'm going to just going to love, I'm going to will myself to love them. It's not the way it works. Love, God is love. If you're, if you're lacking love, you don't need more determination. You need more, more of the source of love in your life, an abiding relationship with him, embracing the truth about Jesus. John says, look, we, we've seen him. We testify to you that he is the savior of the world, the son of God. God has so loved you. God has so expressed love to us all. He's given us this source of abiding love if we will come to him in faith, if we will have relationship with him. He says there in verse 16, we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Here's the key to love. Here's the source of love. Knowing and believing that love that God has for you. Do you know this? Do you believe this? Very hard to, to walk in the love of God, expressing the love of God, when your own heart is uncertain about the love of God. If you've not tasted, Jesus says, freely you have received, now freely give. I cannot love with God's love apart from God loving me, apart from God's love filling my own heart and life. And that comes through relationship with him. That comes through this word that we see often in the scripture. And Jesus himself would use it. This abiding, this staying connected to the source of love. You can't just kind of live your life away from God. Rarely prayer, rarely reading the word. Rarely, on occasion, you come to church, you fellowship. You have something of a, of a 
you know, a distant relationship with God or, you know, an acquaintance with, with the Lord and imagine that somehow you're going to be filled with the God kind of love. You're going to have to be refilled every day. You're going to have to find that source of love because you don't have it within yourself, nor do I. I've got to be recharged. I've got to be refilled. I find that I leak. How about you? What I had yesterday will not sustain me tomorrow. Remember Jesus, or the Lord teaching the children in the wilderness, the children of Israel, right? They had to gather manna when? Every day. And they tried to hoard it in their tent. It would spoil. God was teaching them, no, you need fresh inspiration. You need relationship with me. You need faith every day. You need to come out and gather what you need from God to sustain you. And so this abiding is so, so critical in the, in the life of the believer, relationship with him, time with him, priority with him. And I don't mean to guilt you. I don't mean to try and make you feel bad about how you're prioritizing your life. I'm, I'm simply telling you, if you need more love in your life, you know where you have to go. You've got to go to the Lord. You've got to have your mind renewed by his word. Listen, what comes, what's coming in our minds on a, on a daily basis the things that the world is saying, the things that are happening in the workplace, the things that are happening in our culture, the things you see just on the news every day. Never mind the entertainment. Never mind the shows and, the, and just the, you know, I can't, it's hard for me, you know, to kind of see what's happened over the last, say, 20 years. Hard to imagine what has become just kind of normal, everyday input into my life, into our lives. I've got to have that refreshed. Those things soil me. Those things discourage me. Those things pervert me. Those things don't lead me into the love and purity of God. They lead me astray. And, and if you're anybody like me, and I'm sure you are, I've got to have my mind renewed. Paul said in Romans, don't be conformed to the world, but be what? Transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. And so this abiding in the Lord, Lord, I need to, to love better. I'll just be honest with you, and I think you can, can say this too with me. Look, I don't walk in this kind of perfect love. I see glimpses, glimpses of it once in a while. I do something selfless, and I think, wow, where'd that come from? It came from the Lord, the grace of God working in my life. I've got to stay close to him, to his word. The word comes to us through, through the preached word. It comes through the, the reading of the word, the study of the word, the meditating on his word. I've got to have relationship with him through his presence. That means praying. And part of praying is worship. Part of praying is listening. Part of praying is making my requests known unto him. Part of my, my abiding in him is also being connected with his people, gathering together. The Bible says, don't forsake the fellowship of the brethren. But come together. Iron sharpens iron. We encourage one another. We, we saw that little clip from the men's retreat. It was a healthy time. Men being together, encouraging one another, praying for one another, being vulnerable with one another, and allowing this abiding relationship with God to be nurtured and strengthened through our relationship one with another. This is what God has prescribed for us. And this is the way you're going to survive this world. This is how you're going to be able to be a light of love in a very challenging and dark time. Abiding in his love and then allowing his love to be a witness through our lives. Secondly, let's talk about the work of love. 
what love accomplishes in our hearts. Verse 17, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Again, this idea of perfect love, having a perfect work within us. And again, this idea is a maturing, a completion. The idea of God's perfect love accomplishing its intended purpose in our life. And John is letting us know what that work of love is in your own heart and in your own life. It's going to bring, it's going to cast out fear. He says the reason you can have, you don't have to have fear, the reason you can be bold is because you are now under the conviction that God loves you so much that through his son dying on the cross for your sins, you are completely forgiven. He says, you do not have any, any longer, um, you have boldness in the day of judgment. You, we're not living in fear of condemnation and guilt and shame and judgment when we go to be with the Lord. You know, to carry that around is a heavy load, Convic- you know, condemnation. This idea that, you know, uh, God, you know, someday I'm going to die and then I'm going to stand before God and it's not going to go well with me. That's a heavy burden to carry. That's a fearful kind of way to live. And John is saying, look, the love of God has set you free from that. You are now, it says, you are now as he is in the world. Meaning that the righteousness of Christ, the love that God the Father had upon the Son, Jesus, is now yours in this world. As we read the Gospels, we see Jesus, such a confidence that he had that his Father loved him. Such an assurance that he had. He was free to love, to give, to just, you know, be fruitful in his life because he was so empowered by the love of his father. He was so in tune with that love of the father. And now John says, you and I now have that confidence. We're not living out our lives fearfully, hoping that we can somehow earn enough good credits to balance out the bad scale. And so when we stand before God, maybe just by the skin of my teeth, I'll make it. No, we come boldly to the throne of grace. This is a work that God's love does in your heart. It sets you free from guilt and shame and condemnation. Maybe you've lived under that. Maybe some of you are still living under that. For many years, even as a Christian, I still felt so unworthy. I still felt so condemned. So like, oh gosh, Lord, I just, I know that you're you're disappointed with me. All the while, this was my own mind coming under condemnation. But the grace of God says, no, come boldly to the throne of grace. God has paid the price for your sin. God loves you, even in your imperfection. God is changing you. God is maturing you. God, we are growing in this process often called sanctification. But I've not arrived yet. The Apostle Paul said, I've not arrived, but I'm pressing. I'm moving in this direction. The grace of God is sufficient. And the love of God is so abundant that it sets you free from living under this condemnation and this fear. 
The psalmist said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Fear involves torment, anxiety, guilt, condemnation. What are the things that torment you? What are the things that worry you? What causes anxiety? What are you afraid of? What's, what puts you on edge? Ever been edgy? Usually it's because something is going on in your heart. There's something in the back of your mind that's worrying you, troubling you. Maybe it's a financial concern. Maybe it's a relationship that you're worried about. Maybe it's the future that you're fearful of. Perfect love casts out fear. You know, if you think of a young child and you see sometimes children and you look at them and you envy them. Gosh, not a care in the world, right? They just seem so free to enjoy every moment and, and just doing, you know, without all the worries and anxieties, all the cares of life that we as parents and adults are carrying. Boy, aren't you glad your five or six-year-old doesn't have to worry about any of that? They're just, ah, oh, life is good, right? Got this little uh, two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter. I mean, life is so good to her. She doesn't have a care in the world, and I don't ever want her to. But you know what? That's because she knows she's loved. She has a confidence. She's, she's with loving parents. She's around loving grandparents. And, and this is part of what we need to come into as believers. Look, we have the God of all the universe that is totally committed to you in love. Now, that doesn't mean you'll never stub your toe. That doesn't mean you'll never have a disappointment. That doesn't mean that this life will always be what you prescribe it to be. But it does mean that there is a loving and sovereign God who is working all things together for good. Really, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of today? What, what anxiety did you bring in here today? Can you lay it at the feet of the Lord? Can you cast your cares on him? knowing that he cares for you. That's what Peter said. Just put it all over onto him. Because he loves you, he cares for you, and he's for you, he's with you. He's made promise and covenant with you. I mean, really, what do you think 10,000 years from now, what do you think these anxieties will look like 10,000 years from now? <laughs> Why did I worry about that? Why was I wasting my time in that drama? I should have been keeping my sights a little higher and knowing that God has got a beautiful future and purpose for me. And knowing that as I walk with him day in and day out, I'm free to experience and enjoy his love. And I'm free to walk in this love. I'm free to share this love. We love him because he first loved us. We love God because of his love for us. That's my confidence I'm not trying to earn his love. I've got to love him more so he'll finally love me. I love him in response to his love for me. The work of love, this perfect love, casting out all fear. Finally, today, look with me. We'll talk about the walk of love. Verse 20, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must love his brother also. The ultimate intention of God, God's love for you and I, 
is that not only would we be full recipients of his love, and everything starts there. You've got to know and believe that he loves you. Everything starts there. But the intended goal of that love that has come into your life is that you then would begin to resemble your heavenly father and that you would walk in that love, that that love would manifest and show up through your life. This is what God desires. There is a blessing in allowing God's love not only to comfort your heart, but to flow through your heart. I want to say that honestly, I think that the, the real purpose of our life is to allow God not only to love me and to save me, but also to express himself through me, that I might bring glory to my Father, that I might let the light that has so changed me shine through my life and touch others. This, if you can get a taste of that, and, and many of you have, you've seen it, and once you, once you kind of see that happen, like, wow, God just expressed himself through me in a way that made a difference in someone else's life. And those differences that God makes, they, those are eternal differences. Those are real differences, real impact. Not just a temporary solution, but, and maybe it's expressed in a temporary act of giving and service, but it hits the heart with the love of God. And when that registers upon someone's life, it changes them. They're impacted by that. I don't care who they are. They're hungry for love. You have the answer for what all men and women are looking for. It's the true, perfect love of God. John says, listen, if you say you love God, but you hate your brother, you're a liar. It's not possible to love God and have God in your life who is love and also hate your brother who is also loved by God. John doesn't mix any words here. You're a liar. That's why we're careful what we say, right? Well, I don't hate him. That's, that word's too strong. But you do hate him. <laughs> well, no, I don't hate him. I just really dislike them. Or I just really, you know, am hoping something will happen to them because they hurt me, right? And I'm, I'm just praying that God will teach them a lesson. Whatever it is, right? We have these, these animosities that come into our heart. And, and John is saying, listen, be careful. You get into that bitterness. You get into that resentment. You get into that revenge. Get even mode. It can happen in marriages. It can happen in families. It can happen in friendships. It can happen in, in the workplace. It can happen in church. It can and it does. John is saying, listen, it's not compatible with the perfect love of God that has been shed abroad in your heart. It's not compatible with the new life that's living in you in the Holy Spirit. Now, we're not perfect yet. I'm asking God to continue to grow my capacity to love others as he has loved me. But I'm committed to that, and I don't pretend that I can hold resentment, hatred, bitterness, anger, and somehow still say, oh, but I really love God. There's an incompatibility there. Lord, I need your grace to forgive I need your help to recover. I need your, your, your love to flow through me and to love even those that sometimes are difficult to love. And he asks a very simple, logical question. Listen, you can't see God. You claim you love him. Here's, his, here's your brother who's created in the image of God. Here's someone that you know God truly, truly loves and died for, but you hate him. <laughs> but I love God. 
You see the inconsistency. And John is simply pointing that out. And he says that if, if God is abiding in us, then we have this commandment from him that we must also love our brother. I'm glad he didn't make it an option. Well, just if, if you feel like it, love your brother. No, because we just wouldn't feel like it often enough. It's a commandment. God's called us to this. It's a high calling. You know, is your life available? Is your life available to, to allow God's love to flow through you? Or are you playing it too safe? Are you too closed in? Are you too restrictive with your life and your love and your giving and your, you know, your vulnerability? Now, I know there needs to be discernment and there needs to be a management of time and priority, but, but I would encourage you, I, I think for most, most Christians, um, the problem is not they're loving too much. <laughs> you know, they're just giving their life away in love. That's not really the trouble that we see. I mean, sometimes you do have to balance it. Hey, hey, you gotta, you know, you gotta take some time to rest. You gotta take some time to, you know, take care of other priorities and God will give you that balance. But that's not usually the, the, the scales that get tipped. It's usually the other way around. Lives are too self-centered. Lives are too um, um, stubborn with their time, miserly with the love of God that's been given. We're very careful to look after ourselves, our own, and we kind of close down. We don't really share our lives with too many. Some of it's personality, I know. There are more outgoing people than others, but even shy people can find ways for the love of God to express and, and go through and touch others. I'm going to close here today, if you'll turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, I just want to read this parable that Jesus gives, and maybe it'll encourage some of you here today. We're talking about love. We're talking about the perfect love of God and how it affects our lives and how God wants to flow it through our lives. Luke chapter 10 in verse 25, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Ah, there it is. You see that little, that little self-preservation? We know we're supposed to love God. But loving our neighbor, hmm, well, what's that mean? What's that really look like? Well, who's my neighbor? Can I decide who I want to love? And, and then because he, I've decided, is my neighbor. You see that how we can parse through these commands and say, well, maybe I can dislike this person or hate this person, but no hate's too strong. And we just get all these little ways to accommodate lack of love flowing through our life. Jesus knows what's going on. And he says to him in verse 28, and he said to him, you have answered rightly, excuse me, um, verse 30, then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. 
Now, by chance, a certain priest came down that road, oh, a religious leader, a priest of all men. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Verse 32, likewise, a Levite. Oh, yes, the the chosen tribe of Israel to be God's representation to the nation. When he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, what? You mean a non-religious Jew, somebody outside the faith, outside the covenant people, some half-breed who we don't even associate with? A certain Samaritan, yes, as he journeyed. He came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to the inn, to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Jesus has a way, doesn't he, of cutting through even the lawyer's view of how to keep God's commandments. And I just want to encourage you today, that's the way this letter of 1 John reads to me. John is kind of cutting through, you know, all of the excuses, what we say, but what we do, what we, how we act, how we, all of that is like, listen, let love, let perfect love change your life. You've got to embrace it and allow it to set you free and cast out fear. But then you've also need to allow it to be a witness, a light, express the love of God through your life. You've got to get involved. You've got to take some chances. You've got to take some risks with your life for love, for the gospel. It, maybe it means a mission trip that you never thought you would ever want to take. Maybe it means getting engaged in some ministry or some act of service, even in the church, that you never imagined you would ever have time for. Oh, no, no, that's for others. Hey, maybe it's something, someone in your family that you're just going to commit yourself to pray for in a more consistent way. Maybe it's in the workplace. You're just going to be a better employee. Maybe you're just going to be a better friend, a better person in your own home, in your, in your relationship with your spouse. However the Lord brings this to bear in your heart, don't close yourself to it. Don't, don't walk down the other side like, these, like the priest and the Levite did. Don't, don't distance yourself from the messiness of getting involved in one another's lives. That's where love happens. Jesus came from glory and came and into the messy mess of humanity and gave his life at the cross. And he calls us to now express that kind of love to one another. Oh, I can't do it, church. Neither can you. But his perfect love in me and through me can make a difference. And I pray that he will. I need it. I think probably we all could use more of that kind of love in us and through us. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you today for just these few verses, Lord, where the Apostle John, oh, Lord, his, his letters aren't very long, but he doesn't beat around the bush. 
He really gets to the point of it, Lord. And today's lesson to us all is that you are love and you are, the, you are perfect love. And that you have so loved us. You sent your son to be the savior for the world. You sent your son to take on our sin that we might be the righteousness of God, that we might not live under any fear of judgment or condemnation, that we might have this relationship of, with full confidence of your love and your, your, your favor towards us. But Lord, that love has come to us to, to change us, to transform us, to set us free from fear, anxiety, jealousy, bitterness, unforgiveness. Lord, your love is bigger than all of that. But Lord, it's also come, I believe, to express itself through us. He who loves God must also love his brother, his neighbor. And Lord, that means making a decision to love. And Lord, it means backing it up with actions that love. And as our heads are bowed here today, I'm going to close in a word of prayer, give an opportunity for those of you here today that may need to respond to God's word. And two thoughts come to my heart that I'd like to pray for here today. First and foremost, anyone that's here today that needs to receive this perfect love of God in your life. You may be here today and you've never opened the door of your heart and life to the love of God expressed to you in Jesus Christ. And maybe today you're ready to receive Jesus. You want that forgiveness. You want that confidence. You're tired of the fear and carrying the weight of shame and guilt and wondering, you know, where you stand with God. Today, God tells you, you can stand before me with confidence. Let my perfect love come into your life. I'll forgive you of your sins. I'll change the direction and course of your life. Come, confess, repent, turn from the way you've been living and invite the love and mercy and grace of God into your life. Receive by faith what he has done for you by dying on the cross for your sins. Maybe you're here today for the first time and you're ready to receive that. Maybe you're here today and you simply need to recommit and resurrender your heart to that. I'm thinking of someone that is here today that you've, you've made that confession of faith, you've invited God into your life, but you're still living under a sense of guilt and condemnation for sins of the past, maybe even sins that are entangling your life right now, and you're feeling like you can't really be confident of his love. And I think the Lord wants to meet you right now. Surrender it, confess it, acknowledge it, and receive the forgiveness and love of his grace upon your heart right now. If you're here today, you want to receive this love for the first time, or you need to recommit your heart to him, would you just raise your hand? I'm going to pray for you. Anybody here today, you need this love of Jesus? You need to be reaffirmed in this love of Jesus. One hand there on the aisle. Another one there in the very back. God bless you. A couple in the very back. Amen. Anyone else? You need to receive the love, this perfect love. It's time to cast out fear. It's time to 
live in the freedom and grace that he has for you. Anyone else? So let me pray for this and then another hand, a couple hands. God bless you both. Let me pray for these and then I have one more prayer request for you. God, first for these responding now to receive your love. Lord, I pray that you would meet them with the Holy Spirit, that there would be a confidence and assurance today that as they put their faith and trust in you, the work that you've accomplished for them, not in their good works, not in their religious efforts, not in their well-meaning intentions, Lord, none of that saves. We're sinners. We need mercy. That's what saves, forgiveness. God, I, forgive. I, I confess my sin. Forgive me. I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross for me, that you're my Savior, and I receive you today and invite your love, and I pray that that perfect love would cast out all fear right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Finally today, I want to pray for you. If we talked about receiving that love, I want to pray for you today if you are struggling to walk in that love. Now, I think probably on the surface, probably every hand could go up for that one, right? But no, I'm talking about someone who you're really entangled in a situation. Maybe it's a person that's hurt you. Maybe it's a really challenging relationship at work. Maybe it's a marriage that's in crisis. Maybe it's a friendship or a family member that is just become for you impossible. I believe that God wants to meet even that request today. And your heart is simply, God, help me to walk in your love, your perfect love in this circumstance, in this relationship. I don't have it within myself. I'm failing, I'm trying, but it's not happening. God, I need you to help me to walk in this kind of love. If that's your heart today, raise your hand and we'll pray. Quite a few. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right. So God, this is, this is just honesty before you today. Lord, we're so grateful, these hands responding, Lord. I, I just want to pray for them. I want to join them, Lord, and say, God, thank you for your love for me. Thank you for your love for us. And I pray that that love in us would become so real that it would empower us and give us the grace that we need to walk in love. Lord, it's just hard. People are, are not always lovable. People are not always even receptive to our love when we try. Lord, people hurt us. There are some people who are even against us, it seems. Help us, God. Jesus, we're mindful of you. Even upon that cross, some of your last words, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. I pray for these hands, Lord. For some, it may be just a matter of first forgiving others and that opening up the freedom to love. But I pray, God, it's got to be your strength. It's got to be your grace. It, it, there's no secret to this. There's no way to make this happen in our own strength. We need you to help us. And Lord, I think it's a prayer you'll answer. God, help me to love. God, help me to express the love of Christ. God, help me to be 
the example, the witness of the love that I've so freely received. Help me, God. I surrender it to you. I acknowledge my need, and I ask you by your grace to begin to make a change. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.